You are listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast, and I am Rick Thomas. This is episode 112. 112 is the episode. The title of it is A Biblical Perspective on Disorders. I am going to take a deep dive in this podcast, and it's going to be deep. You can listen to the podcast, and I hope that you would benefit from it. But if you really want to get at the heart of disorders as far as understanding this language that our culture has foisted upon the biblical mind, upon the Christian community, then I would encourage you to go to the website, rickthomas.net. Look for episode 112, A Biblical Perspective on Disorders. Understanding disorders through a biblical lens is rare for today's Christian And what I want to do is to walk you through how to think about behavioral disorders using the Bible as your presupposition. There's two reasons I want you to go to the show notes for episode 112. One, I have show notes there. I have a lot. I have a a long outline, and I'm going to try to get through it in this podcast. But secondly, I have eight infographics. That's right. There are eight graphics on that page, episode 112. And so if you really want to unpack and have a thorough, a comprehensive understanding of biblical disorders from a biblical perspective, I would encourage you to study these slides. It will really help you. If you are a supporting member of our website, I have a one-hour webinar also on this subject, understanding Uh, A Biblical Perspective on Disorders, and you can also watch that webinar on our webinar page. We are heavily influenced by our culture, and our culture is a psychologized culture. Every turn, I don't watch a lot of television, but the little bit that I have watched, it seems like almost every other commercial is is somebody pushing a pill a pill to fix this problem or that problem. We are now in the DSM-5, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual Number 5. That's their Bible, and they create more and more disorders in the name of science. And it's really a sham, but unfortunately, our culture has bought into this idea. And I'm talking about Christians And one of the things that's so intimidating is that they drop these long labels to problems and they come at you as though it is scientific. And we become intimidated as though we don't have an answer. And many Christians do not know how to discuss real issues. I am not saying that the things that people are going through, that they're struggling with, that they're not real. They they are real. But again, there's a way of looking at it. So when you start thinking about uh, behavioral disorders, the DSM-5, it is imperative that you have the right starting point. What I'm talking about here is your presupposition. Cornelius Van Til said that there are no neutral facts, meaning that every fact is not neutral. You actually bring an interpretation to the fact. Nobody can look at anything or think about anything objectively. We are not objective creatures. We do not have the ability to think objectively. It is impossible. Only God is objective. And so that means that we are bringing our interpretations like a lens through which we look at. And that 
lens or that screen or that filter, that window we are looking through, it gives us the interpretation of the fact, the thing that we're looking at. For example, if you, if two people were standing side by side and looking at the sun, the sun is a fact, S-U-N. The sun is a fact. Two people are looking at that fact, the sun, in the middle of the day. But depending on what their presuppositions are will determine how they interpret the sun. For example, if one individual was not a believer, he believes in evolution, he will begin talking about the sun as an evolutionary fact and how the sun came to being. And I don't know what he would say, but whatever the latest teaching is on the internet about how the sun evolved. But then if the other person to his right was a believer, he would look at the sun and give glory to God and thank God for his creative power and his creative works. Two people looking at the same thing, the thing that they are looking at is real, but how they interpret it based on their, their presupposition will make all the difference in the world, and that is your starting point. And so when you're looking at a real problem, what is your starting point? Is your starting point the all-sufficient Word of God, or is your starting point the DSM-5? That will make all the difference in the world. If you start wrong, like an unregenerate man looking at the sun, you're going to end wrong. You're going to end with the wrong conclusions. And so what we have, let's say that you're looking at a batch of disorders. There are all kinds of disorders. There are thousands of them. What you want to do is to begin to relabel behavioral mood disorders. You want to relabel them into uh, biblical labels. Now, what I'm going to do and what this first infographic shows uh, in episode 112 on the website, again, you can look at it if you want to, is I took uh, four groups of disorders like ADD, ADHD, eating disorder, uh, conduct disorder, oppositional defiant, disruptive, major depressive, bipolar, mood disorders, uh, post-traumatic stress, acute stress, anxiety. And so I took all of these disorders, and when people, when the normal average Christian looks at those, they don't, they don't know what to do. And I don't have an answer for that. I don't even know what that is. But once you begin to understand what it is, the first thing that you want to do is you want to relabel it. You want to begin to move things from where they are back to Scripture. And once you relabel it, you haven't changed what it is. You haven't changed the reality of what it is, whatever it is that we're talking about. But what you have done is you have changed the name of it. You have relabeled it. And once you do that, you have a better way of thinking about it. And so you can take, what I've done is I've taken these batches, these groups of disorders that I just listed for you, and I relabeled them. I took intermittent explosive and ADD, ADHD, eating disorder, and I relabeled it as impulsive. I took conduct disorder, oppositional deviant, disruptive, sexual disorders, and I relabeled it as disruptive. 
And so now we have two cluster categories. We have a group that is impulsive. We have another group that is disruptive. And then I took mood disorders and depression and bipolar, those type, that cluster, and I called them depressive. And then the fourth group, panic, uh, post-traumatic stress, anxiety, acute stress, psychotic disorders, and I call that anxious. And so I wouldn't want you to be intimidated. So you're not changing the reality of what's going on with a person, but you're just taking their language and you're relabeling it as something else. It's kind of like taking the word, you know, the man says, well, the sun, you know, came from evolutionary processes. Well, you don't change the sun, but you change the labels. And no, it's not evolutionary processes. It's, It's actually creationism. And when you move to creationism versus evolutionary processes, your whole way of thinking about that, you're headed in a different direction. And so when you take these fancy, scientific, intellectual, psychologized words, you're not changing the reality of the problem, but you begin to relabel them. And then when you do relabel them, well, you have a better way of thinking about it. Now, as you do that, you want to continue to move through a, a biblical typology. Now that you have taken the psychologized labels and uh, you're heading back toward the Bible, you want to get into a more granular level with that. So let's take impulsive, for example. Well, the Bible word for impulsive is folly. Now, once you get to folly, well, the Bible has a lot to say about folly. You can read the book of Proverbs and folly would reappear, would appear over and over again. You take this other grouping, that's impulsive. You take this other grouping and that I've labeled as anxious, all those psychologized labels as anxious, anxiousness. Well, the Bible word for that you already know is worry. And as you do know, the Bible has a lot to say about worry. Then there was another group called depressive. Depressive, the Bible word would be despair, that idea of despairing. And then this fourth group was disruptive, the disruptive behavior that we see in so many people that are labeled as a disorder and they're given a pill. And the pill does change their behavior. It calms them down. Medication can do that. Marijuana can do that as well. We didn't take pills in the 1970s, not like that, because it just wasn't popular or common or well-known in our uh, part of the world. But we smoked pot, and it did calm us down and mellow us out. Pills will do that, but did that get to the heart of our problem? No. And so disruptive, when if you put it through a Bible filter, what you're going to come out with is rebellion. So impulsiveness is now folly, and anxious is now worry, and depressive is despair, and disruptive is rebellion. These changes bring hope to the Christian, because now you have an understanding of what's going on with the person. One of the things that you want to make sure you're not doing, you want to make sure that you're not ashamed 
of the Bible. Some Christians feel that way because they've been so psychologized. They've been bombarded with so much science. And the irony about a lot of science is that you, you listen to these, I listen to scientific podcasts, things that talk about, or podcasts that talk about science, and, and regularly they say, well, we used to believe and now we believe that. And I want to say, well, well now you believe that, but what's, what's going to happen 15 years ago uh, from now when you say, well, we used to believe that, now we believe something else? It is an ever-moving target. Now, what they do is they say it's in the name of science. Well, why should we trust you now? We shouldn't have trusted you 15 years ago when you said this is a scientific fact. Science is a moving target. God's word is not. And so once you can move these fancy labels into a biblical typology, it should bring hope because you know what to do with it now. You're understanding what is going on in the person, and it makes you less intimidated about the observed behavior. But we can still go more granular than what I just did. We took DSM disorders. We called it impulsive. We moved it to folly. We called it anxious. We moved it to worry, depressive, to despair, disruptive, to rebellion, but let's go a little bit farther. What is the condition of the heart of the folly person, the worrier, the despairing, the rebellious? This just talks mostly about their behavior, but you want to drive to the heart because it's out of the abundance of the heart that the person speaks or the person behaves. All of our actions come from our hearts, and so we want to do more than just transform our behaviors. And we can do that. The culture can only observe behavior and try to modify behavior. We can examine the heart because the Bible allows you to look underneath the problem to help the person with heart change. The culture gives you a pill to alter behavior. Now, it may be that the person needs medication in some cases, but that doesn't mean that heart work can't happen. I'm not throwing the peel out with the bathwater. Uh, this is not all this and none of that. I had a headache the other night and I, I took medication for it. It helped me. A headache can cause me to worry or to be anxious or to be angry, depending on the severity of the headache. And if I can remove through medication the pain that I'm going through, then that is okay. And so we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater in some cases, but that's a case-by-case -case situation. And of course, you, you want to deal with that uh, according to that individual and, and have a comprehensive view of what's going on. But it doesn't mean that you do not want to address the heart work. And so impulsive leads to folly. We would identify that as a heart of foolishness. A heart of foolishness is what's going on with a person who does folly or is impulsive. The anxious person is a worrier, what do you think is at the heart of the worrier? 
It would be fear. I'm sure you thought that. And so if your heart is fearful, you're going to worry, or what some would call anxious and what the culture would call some kind of disorder. All it is is a heart of fear. The depressive person is despairing. What is the condition of the heart? What we're talking about with a despairing person is hopelessness. If you have a heart of hopelessness, you're going to despair, and that's going to affect your behaviors. You see how that works. And then the final one is disruptive. A disruptive person is rebellious, but what is coming out of the rebellious person is a heart of anger. And so we've gone from impulsive to folly to foolishness, anxious, worry, fear. You see how it's getting deeper and deeper and inside the heart. Depressive, despair, hopelessness is the heart. Disruptive, rebellion, and what we have is a a heart of anger. Now, what is also complicated about this, or what can be complicating about a person is that all of these things can actually interrelate with one another. It can create a a sin cycle inside of the person. Let me illustrate. Let's say that a person is impulsive. They become angry at their spouse. A little bit later, they begin to think about, as they calm down, they begin to think about their impulsivity and their, their foolishness. And if they are not repenting and guarding their heart, they become anxious. They worry about their foolish behavior. So now now impulsiveness leads to foolish, leads to a, a fear that is going on in their heart. And so I did something foolish. Now I'm fearful because of that dumb thing that I've done. And then, of course, that Fear leads to hopelessness, and if you're not uh, careful, if you're not taking care of it at that point, you can have a a heart of anger and, and become rebellious, and of course that will lead back around to impulsive behavior. I become impulsive, I get angry at my wife, I I now worry about what I've done, I begin to despair, and, and I just say, well, the heck with it, I'll just do whatever it is I want to do, and, and now I'm rebellion. Now all four of those things are, are working together. And so people can be complicated. Sin doesn't segregate itself. Sin doesn't play nice. It doesn't color between the lines. And you do one thing, and this is what James talked about in James 1, double-minded. One minute you see a person impulsive, and another minute you see them depressed, and you're wondering, what kind of person is this? Well, it's this sin cycle that's working in their heart. If you want to get into more of this, I would encourage you again to go to episode 112, The title of this podcast, A Biblical Perspective on Disorders, and I would encourage you to look at these slides here, and it will give you a a better understanding of what I'm presenting to you in, in audio. But what you want to do is you want to continue to go deeper. 
Uh, you want to start addressing the long-term consequences with the person who continues in this particular lifestyle. Let's take all four of those lifestyles that I've been talking about in this podcast. Impulsive, anxious, depression, disruptive, and let's look at the long-term consequences for both uh, for all four of those. Let's take impulsive. The person is impulsive, that's what you see. You're driving it back to the Bible. You identify it as folly. That's the behavior. It comes from a heart of foolishness, as we have now learned. And if they continue in that path, well, the long-term consequences would be blame-shifting. This person will have to explain his ongoing impulsive behavior, and because he's not going to change, he has to explain it why he does what he does, and typically what they do is they blame shift. They don't own the responsibility. They just blame it on something else. I mean, they can blame it on somebody else, or they can blame it on this is the way that I am. But rather than changing the long-term consequences for the impulsive person is blame shifting. Let's take anxiousness. Now, we talked about anxiousness. We moved it back toward the Bible. We got worry as the external behavior that you see, this worrying, and we identified it as a heart of fear. Now, if they continue down that path, uh, what they're going to begin to experience is a lot of false guilt and, and shame, and they will become ensconced in this lifestyle of shame and they won't know how to get out of it. Let's take the depression person. We have identified that biblically as despair, but out of the heart comes hopelessness, and if hopelessness continues in an individual, after a while, what you're going to begin to see is a person with a victim mindset. They are a, a victim. It's another form of blame shifting, actually, and and this is what I was talking about earlier, the interrelatedness of sin. Sin does not play fair. It doesn't play neat. It doesn't color between the lines. It gets all over the place like cancer, and so you can't segregate sin. It'll, it'll cross over and it'll uh, metastasize into something else. And so the depression person that we call biblically despair has a heart of hopelessness, and now they are a victim, which again is a form of blame shifting. The last one is disruptive. Disruptive is, can, is more psychologized. It's more of a cultural label. We bring it back to the Bible. We call it rebellion. Doesn't that, in a way, just feel better as far as hope is concerned? It feels better because you know what that is. You have clear guidelines from God's Word for what rebellion is. So that's the behavior, and what you have is a heart of anger. That is the condition or the bent of the individual. He's an angry person, therefore he rebels. The long-term consequences of an individual like that will be hatred, a person who just hates on people or hates on life or hates on God. That is the long-term consequence. Now, what you want to do with any a person like this or these four different people is you want to begin to bring God's answers to the problem to the situation, because we can. We have the Bible. 
We believe in the inerrancy of God's word, the authoritativeness of God's word. We believe in the all-sufficiency of God's word. God has given us his word, and it speaks to the human condition. We are the people standing there staring at the sun, believing in creation, not evolution. And so we have an answer. And this seventh slide and in this series, in this topic of biblical disorders, uh, walks through what God's answers would be for the impulsive person who does folly, who has a heart of foolishness, who is a blame shifter, long-term consequences, he needs to learn self-control. For the anxious person who manifests as worry out of a heart of fear, who struggles with false guilt, shame, they need to trust the Lord. Now, let me speak to that for just a second. You, you don't remember that you're listening to a podcast, and if you go to episode 112, you'll read these, this outline, and it's just black and white. You never want to communicate to people like this. Just trust the Lord. That is unwise counsel. You need to put it in context. You need to build around that. You need to, you need to understand where they are. Because what's really going on with people who, who struggle with disorders and they have embraced that, they believe that. See, it's a faith issue. It's a faith is faith in that, not in the Bible. And if you begin to, if you yank that, you know, think about it like if they're standing on a platform and that platform is the DSM-5 and you walk up to them and say, trust the Lord and yank the DSM-5 out from under them, they're free falling. And that would be woefully unkind of any biblical counselor to take such a harsh, shallow, um, approach to a person who has been enculturated, ensconced in this kind of worldview and perspective for such a long time. And so I'm just, I'm just giving you words and answers here, and you can read it, but you don't want to parrot this word for word to an individual. We do so care. <laughs> We're not talking to robots. It's not data in, data out. And so you want to be careful as you listen to this podcast and make sure that you're processing it appropriately. But ultimately, what the anxious person who manifests is worry, who has a heart of fear, who long-term consequences is false guilt, shame, they need to learn how to trust the Lord. The depression person who is manifesting as despairing, who has a heart of hopelessness, a victim mindset, it's the long-term consequences, they need to learn how to hope. And the dis disruptive person who is rebelling uh, has a heart of anger. Long-term consequence is hatred. He needs to learn how to obey. And you want to be super, very careful when you walk them through this because you're dismantling a worldview. Some people, some Christians have never heard what I am saying here. And the first time they hear it... <laughs> It's going to be hard for them to embrace this. And so you don't, you're not going to change them in 30 minutes, meaning a 30-minute podcast with eight slides and an outline. People need soul care. And so we want to be not only competent in how we talk to them, but we also want to be compassionate in how we talk to them because they are human beings. And this disorder thing 
These are fighting words. This is people will fight you toe to toe because they believe. And by the way, I'm talking about Christians. I expect the Christ, I expect the culture to hold to these unbiblical worldviews and unbiblical teaching, but Christians do because they haven't been taught anything else and they spend more time watching television commercials or listening to whatever they're listening to that's not helping them to think about how to diagnose a person biblically. And so be careful. If you want to discuss this, I would love to chat with you. We have a community where we answer questions all day long, and we would be glad to answer your questions as well. We're not going to fight with you. We're not going to pick a fight. We're not going to argue with you. No, we won't do that. But if you sincerely want to work through this, I would ask you to do a couple things. Go to episode 112. The title of it is A Biblical Perspective on Disorders. Study the outline. Carefully scrutinize those slides. Listen to the podcast again. Ask your questions on the forum, and it would be a joy to serve you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, episode 112 on disorders. Come to our forums, ask your questions, and we'll be waiting on you to serve you. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.